Testing, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There it's working, isn't it? I'm glad to get to visit with you today. Tyler called me a while back and asked me if I would be open today, available. And I have that open, and I'm glad to be here. I really am. And I'm sorry that so many of the younger people are out, but I used to be younger myself. And many of you did too. And I know it's a great trip. We have a large number who are gone from Glendale today and others. And I'm, I'm really thankful for those opportunities. It does a great deal to build up the faith of the younger. And it therefore encourages the parents and the rest of the church as well. And the support that you've given to that and the interest that you show in younger people is a great thing indeed. I visited with you last summer, uh, three Wednesday nights, and I enjoyed doing that so much. It gave me a chance to study some things that I hadn't studied in a long time. And in fact, someone uh, called me recently and wanted a copy of the handouts. And so I was able to mail those to them. I'm glad to do that. But transition is difficult for us. I know it is. But it's good for us if it is a transition in the right direction. If it is progress, if it is moving up spiritually. And sometimes that will increase the numbers as well. But regardless of how many people espouse what we do, we can see today, looking back on it, and this was pre-pandemic numbers, I know of one church in particular had over 2,000 who were in attendance on each Lord's Day. And now they have 350 to 400, 500 on a good Sunday, and everything has changed. The staffing has changed. The leadership has changed. The attitude has changed. The evangelistic zeal has evidently changed. And many people are discouraged and depressed and presiding over their own funerals one day at a time. And that's sad. And there's no reason to do that. What I want to say this morning, and I'll try not to take all day to say it, it could be weeks of study. It could be a series. <laughs> I promise I won't do that to you. Uh, but this particular lesson is extremely important to me. And I feel like it can be to you because it provides hope. It provides a progress that moves us spiritually toward a closer walk with the Lord. If we can learn to love Jesus more dearly because we see him more clearly and then we follow him more nearly, we're making spiritual progress. And if we keep doing that, then what we can do is find ourselves happier in the Lord, more at work for the Lord, and producing things that we didn't even know were available and possible for us. I was talking with some of you before the classes this morning. One of the key things that we need to keep in mind is when we are serving the Lord, we do not know the far-reaching effects of what might be out there. I learned a while back that I preach every Sunday in Colorado, and I didn't know it. This church is very, very small and struggling. They have no 
security as far as money is concerned, but they go on the internet and they find things that they can show in their worship time where somebody else is speaking. And so I've done a series recently out there on how to study the Bible and some other things that they're using in their classes and also in their sermons. And I didn't even know it. I've never been to Colorado, not one time. But I'm there every Sunday. And if we would learn that we need to do what's right and enjoy doing what's right and serve the Lord as faithfully as we know how and keep trying to improve in what we're doing spiritually, then we don't know the far-reaching effects of it. At a funeral yesterday, and a man came in from somewhere, and he said, I graduated from Callaway County High School in 1980-something. I forgot what he said. And he said, you spoke at our baccalaureate. And he said, I'm an attorney where, where he lives, wherever that is. And he said, I have never forgotten what you said in that baccalaureate speech. And he said, it has changed my life. And I'm a better attorney today. I'm a better follower of Jesus today because of what you said. I said, if you pardon me, I don't have any idea what I said in 1980-something at Callaway Baccalaureate. He told me what I had spoken of. And he said, it was life-changing for me. And I want to thank you because I never did write you and tell you I appreciated it. I said, that's okay. You don't have to do that. But I appreciate you telling me. Because I do remember it, and I do remember the topic, and it did him some good. I, don't, I didn't come to Mayfield today to bring you anything brand new. If it's brand new, you need to be sure and check it out. But something that might help you to see how to enjoy following Jesus in a better way. And as you think about that, and you can read Charles M. Sheldon's book, um, In His Steps. There are lots and lots of things out there that are not straight from the Bible, but biblically based. But following Jesus and enthroning him in your heart and life as Lord in a renewed basis every day can bring about opportunities for change in the upward direction and still be biblically sound and yet avoiding the radical right and avoiding the liberal left to be balanced in the center of the narrow way that leads to life. It's a constant struggle. There are many things out there today in the name of religion and many of them are coming into our fellowship. Not all of them are bad and not all of them are good. And what we're going to need to do is to see that we're grounded in the faith and that we're constantly checking the word of God for authority and for motivation and doing what we, what we find the Lord is saying. But in this passage from Matthew chapter 6, if we aren't careful, we'll waste our time dwelling on the things that do not ultimately matter that much. For instance, the context of Matthew chapter 6, and you realize this is part of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is saying, don't lay up treasures on earth where moth and rust corrupt and thieves break through and steal, but rather lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust corrupt and thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So the question is, where is my treasure? 
Now, I'm retired, and so I watch the stock market. I'm dizzy this week. That thing went everywhere for the last few weeks and mostly down. And I called my wife uh, Friday. I said, how are you feeling? She said, well, I'm feeling pretty good. I said, are you sitting down? And she said, no. I said, well, hold on to something because I'm going to tell you that the stock market is up 900 points. She said, okay. She's such a balancing act for me. I didn't worry a great deal when it was down, and I don't need to get overly exuberant because it's up because I know it can go down again, and I think it's going to. And my financial advisor told me he thought it was going to go down, probably a 20% correction this year. 20%? That's retirement money, boy. He said, I don't do the market. I just tell you what it says. If my treasures are laid up on Wall Street, I am an idolater, and I'm going to be severely disappointed and can't feel secure even if it's positive for a while. I don't need to have my main priority set on Wall Street or at the bank or in investments or whatever it is. I don't need my main priorities to be there. It's fickle. It comes and goes. And what's happening today in the heartbreaking situations in Ukraine will affect you and me financially and it will affect you and me in many other ways and it could be the beginning of World War III. I'm not a prophet nor the son of a prophet. And I'm not a pessimist by nature. We're dealing in some very treacherous, serious times. And it's important for you and me to know who our Lord is. And our Lord is not reigning in Washington. Our Lord is not reigning in Frankfurt. Our Lord is not reigning in the local governments. The government is not the Lord. But Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. And you and I are commanded not to seek first the financial advantages. Nor to worry about what am I going to eat, what am I going to drink, and what am I going to wear. We are commanded not to be anxious or worrying about those things that are physical to the point that we do not have the priority in the Lord and his rule in our lives. So seeking first the kingdom has to do with enthroning Jesus in the heart as king of kings and lord of lords so that he directs our daily walk every day, not just on Sunday. And that we're trying to give priority to the things that he gave priority to. And that was submission to the will of the Father. And when asked what is the great commandment, read it for yourself in Matthew chapter 22. This Pharisee, this lawyer, meaning the one schooled and skilled in the law of Moses, asked him, what is the great commandment? And Jesus told him. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. All four of them are covered in Matthew and in Luke's account of this statement from the, from the Lord to the, to the lawyer. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Everything you are, everything you have, you love the Lord. 
And he said the second, that's the first and great commandment, the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself, and on these two commandments, saying all the law and the prophets. If I want to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, I need to love God supremely and learn to love neighbor as self, and that is the sum and substance of it all. I know there are other topics in the Bible. I had a lengthy discussion this past week with someone about some things regarding the millennium. Well, that's interesting to me, but it's not the source of my faith. I do not believe that Jesus is coming back to Jerusalem to reign a literal thousand years on David's literal throne. If you do, we need to talk. And we can talk. But we're going to get around to something far more important to me, and that is, is not that he is going to reign a literal thousand years. I don't believe he is. He's reigning right now as King of kings and Lord of lords, and we're in the thousand-year reign of Christ right now. But if that's not what you believe, is Jesus your Lord, and is he number one in your life? And are you seeking his reign and rule, that is, kingdom, every day in your life and if not that's what we need to be talking about if he is the king of kings and lord of lords right now then here's how we think and here's how we talk and here's how we act here's what we do love god supremely love neighbor as self and keep coming back to that and never turn from it i realize there are thousands of things that come up in the religious realm some of them are important some of them are not important. Sorting it out is going to require a basis of maturity that some have never reached. Don't be caught up in the whims of, of people and in the doctrines of churches and in the opinions of those who think they're smart. Stay with your Bible. And stay within the realm of reason when it comes to avoiding the radical right or the liberal left, but always trying to be balanced to walk in the center of the narrow way. How important are the details? Read Matthew 23 sometime and you can tell a little bit about what the Lord's thought about the Pharisees' dis, uh, emphasis on detail. I'm still going to get this bumper sticker for my car that says, the more I study the Pharisees, the better I like my dog. I, I really do. I just, I just love the dog's lack of prejudice and the unconditional love and loyalty. I just love that. But Jesus is dealing with the Pharisees. Now, these are the elite religious people in the Jewish faith. And Jesus was a Jew. And the Mosaic law was still in force. But these people were so caught up in the minutia of the law, they missed the point of the law. And we must not allow ourselves to do that. Get the details right. Of course it's important. But don't get so caught up in the details, you miss the bigger picture. The priority of King of Kings and Lord of Lords is not the tithing of mint, cumin, and anise. He said, you've given so much emphasis to those details, those tiny little herbs that are very difficult to measure, that you have omitted the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. 
Here's what happened with many of the Pharisees. They got so caught up in arguing and debating the details of the law of Moses and the traditions that they bound equally on the law of Moses that they missed the Messiah when he came in fulfillment of the law that they argued about all the time. Now that's tragic to miss the whole point while emphasizing minutia. But you and I can do the same thing if we aren't careful. We pick a pet doctrine and beat it to death. And we base our interpretations of other people and their soundness on whatever we picked as our pet doctrines. To be following Jesus and to have him enthroned as King of kings and Lord of lords and to seek first his kingdom and righteousness is going to require that we be more mature than that. Be well-founded and well-rounded. And keep your Bible open. Don't ever get so smart you don't read your Bible. But don't pick pet doctrines and beat them to death. Get the bigger picture. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the key. Now we deal with the details. When you read in Matthew 23, see the scathing rebuke that the Lord gave to the scribes and Pharisees, calling them hypocrites. You're painting the outside of the pump while the water coming out is poison. And you're dressing up the outside. You're more concerned about appearances than you are commitment. Is he saying that to any of us today? Could it be possible that even one of us in this room, including the speaker, would need to be reminded and even jolted to get past the minutia into the main point of it all? Priority, keeping the main thing, the main thing. And you'll notice when you do that, it's not a thing. It's a relationship. It's a person. It's Jesus or it's nothing. You remember Thomas was having a problem with Jesus leaving. And he's telling him that in John chapter 14. Lord, we don't know what you, you say. You're preparing a place for us. We don't know where you're going. And how can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except by me. When Peter and John had been put in jail, they were released and they were demanded not to preach anymore in the name of Christ. And so Peter says, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It's salvation in Christ or it's not salvation at all. You say, well, that's pretty exclusive. It sure is. But it's not bigotry, it's simple truth. Jesus is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He is who he said he was. He is worthy of our adoration and praise now and for eternity. But what we have to do is to decide for ourselves in our own minds where he is going to rank in our priority system. 
If he's not number one, somebody else or something else is, and is idolatry. Somebody says, well, I just want my Bible. Well, that's good. I want my Bible too. And I want you to have one, and I want me to have one. If anybody in Mayfield, Kentucky doesn't have one, you know and I know they can get one free before lunch today. They're available. And we'd be glad to give Bibles to people. And we would encourage them to read them. But there's more to it than having a copy of the Scriptures. John chapter 12. Jesus again is dealing with the legalistic Pharisees. And he said, you search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. But they are they that testify of me. Again, it's Jesus. We've got to quit hitting people over the head with hardback King James Bibles with red letters in them. And stop getting their attention by wounding them. And see if we can get to the heart of the matter, which is Jesus, and discuss what the Bible says about him. Not just memorizing scripture. It's a great thing to do. I was in a preacher's luncheon one day several years ago. And this fellow came in late. He was always late. You get more attention that way. And I don't mean to be judging his heart, but he did it every time. He came in and sat down where I was, near where I was. And... We were eating, we were already eating, we'd already prayed, and we were already eating. And he said, uh, I got it all memorized. He's kind of proud of himself. I said, all of what? Is this Macbeth, or, or wh what is this? Entire New Testament memorized. I didn't say it, but I thought it. I started to say, and sometimes wish I had, how about while we eat, you cut loose on about 15 scriptures then on humility. Could you do that for us, please? If you know it all, there's some passages dealing with humility. Now, I'm not jealous because I can't quote the entire New Testament. I can't. I went three years to Freed Hardman in the Bible classes, the textual Bible classes. You had to memorize 75 verses for each class. Wow. And I'm thankful for it now. My mind was sharper back then. I could memorize quicker, and I'm glad it doesn't change. So I've really been glad I did. But I didn't get all the New Testament memorized. I don't need to be spouting scripture to get attention or accolades. I need to be reading the scripture, incorporating it into my heart, and living it out in daily life. And that ought to bring glory to God, not to me. If it's not bringing glory to God, I need to reassess why I'm doing it. Am I trying to make a name for myself? No, I'm trying to promote the name of Jesus. I had a man tell me at the Freed Army Lecture several years ago, I need you to help me get my name out in your community. Can you get me some meetings? I said, no. Quite honestly, we don't need your name in our community. We need the name of Jesus. And I don't get meetings. I don't run churches. I'm not the Pope of the Church of Christ in Calloway County. Although I've been called that in writing. That's not who I am. I'm John. J-O-H-N. 
That's who I am. That's all I am when it comes to those names. My dad was John, so I'm John Jr. Someone came in the old office at 7 the Poplar one day. Secretary was downstairs, and they said, where's the John? And she sent him to my office. I'm not the John. How would you like to have a name that doubles for a toilet? So what? That's just, I'm John. That's all I am. That's who I am. I want to be a follower of Jesus. You want to be a follower of Jesus. So let's struggle together. Not to make a name for ourselves in the community with our names but to promote the name of Jesus because we're seeking his kingdom first. Priority, Jesus. No doubt in this room there's a, a, quite a, a menagerie of political views. I didn't come to Mayfield, Kentucky to talk about politics. I don't even talk about politics when our family gets together. There's some subjects we just avoid smoother that way but I believe what I believe but I've gotten there by my own study you believe what you believe you've gotten there by your own study if Jesus is not the basis of your study then priority needs to reassess all that and say he's number one I'm first and foremost a Christian not first and foremost a wildcat you're first and foremost a wildcat you're probably pretty depressed today I watched it on TV thought we were going to pull it out but we didn't does, what does that mean that God's still in heaven Jesus is still on the throne and you and I still have work to do whoever wins the ball game or doesn't win the ball game the priorities must be the things of the Lord not the things of the earth I just want to say one more thing. I want to say a lot of things, but I want to say just one more thing for this. In Psalm 51, King David was pouring out his heart in penitence, in humility, in contrition because of his sin. And he was sad and sorrowful over what he had done. He had come up, committed adultery with Bathsheba. He had had her husband put to death. And in all looking back over his life and all the things that he had chosen to do, he could now say, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. And so he prays. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. Now, we don't worship under the same system that King David did. But showing up at church 
is not the goal. I wish everybody could show up at church. But there are many who can show up at church with their hearts somewhere else, but they got perfect attendance. And as far as we know, they're faithful because they come to church. I was talking to one of our teenage boys who grew up and he was in jail. And I went to see him. I've known him literally all his life. And he's behind that window and I'm over here on this side of that window and we're talking on a telephone receiver. And I'm, I'm trying to, not to preach to him, but trying to tell him I love him and show him I love him and to help him if I can. And here's what he said regarding church. He said, I never did miss because I never was allowed to miss. But he said, I don't know whether you remembered or not. I sat in the balcony and he said, the reason I sat where I did is because there, are row, there were some rows of girls down there. And he said, I wanted to check them out. That's why I was there, and that's what I was doing. I didn't hear a word you said all those years. My body was in the balcony at church, and I would have gotten the perfect attendance award if they'd given them. But he said, I didn't pay attention to what you said. And I wanted to say, and look where you are right now, but I didn't say it. I'm just saying, it's not too late. You're still alive. And you have a good mind. You have many good qualities. Let me help you develop those things in obedience to God, in contrition and in penitence. You can't unscramble eggs and you can't start where you aren't, but you can start where you are and you can be forgiven by people who matter and more importantly, be forgiven by God who matters most. Jesus shed his blood for you just like he did for me. And all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You're not weird. You're not in a class by yourself. You are actually a person created in the image of God, someone for whom Jesus died, and you're just as precious in the sight of God as I am or anybody else is. And he said, that's the first time I've ever heard that. And I wanted to say for 39 years I said it publicly every chance I got, and you didn't listen because you're just checking out the girls. Well, I don't have any problem with going to church and enjoying the company of other people or the admiration. For, if you want to find a husband or a wife, church is the best place to start looking. But that's not why you go. You go to honor God, to worship God, to give priority to Jesus. He's King of kings and Lord of lords. You serve him. And King David is saying, you don't want my sacrifices. You want a broken and contrite heart. Now, that'll bring about sacrifice, and that'll bring about worship and opportunities to share the good news with other people, but it cannot be your priority. The question is this. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Will I do that? If I will do that, I will not be worried about what in the world am I going to eat or what am I going to drink or what am I going to wear Worry is the excess of concern. Concern is good. Worry is the faithless excess of concern. Don't worry about things that don't matter ultimately. And things that matter ultimately, you don't have to worry about them because Jesus paid it all. A-L-L. -L. You say, well, I can't be good enough. No, you can't, and I can't either. 
I'm afraid I won't live up to it. With the help of the Lord, you can live up to it. In your strength, you can't. I can't either. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Keep seeking. Hebrews eleven six 6 says God rewards those who diligently seek him. You say, well, I didn't make good grades in school. I didn't make the best grades in school either. It got better as it went. By the way, if you're having trouble at the bachelor's level, my master's level was straight A's from then on. Stay with it. Work at it. Settle down. Grow up. Give priority to the things that really matter. And the college degree is not the thing that really matters the most. It's relationship with God through Jesus Christ. But those other things have a place. Give emphasis to them that is proper, not improper. And then keep your primary emphasis. The priority of Jesus is reigning as King of kings and Lord of lords every day in your heart and life. Showing up at church is wonderful, but there's more to it than that. And King David said, you don't want another sacrifice. You want a broken and contrite heart. And so he said, that's what I'm bringing you. Following Jesus is a day-by-day, sometimes difficult, sometimes challenging process that leads to his side. And he wants you and me to be with him forever. He's not trying to lose us. Look at the price he paid to save us. Let him love you. You say, well, I don't deserve it. That's what grace is all about. Of course you don't deserve it. I don't either. We can't deserve it. If we earned it, it wouldn't be grace. It would be wages. But the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we've earned death. That's what sin does to us. And we receive as a gift from God, a free gift. We don't buy it. We don't pay part of it so he can pay the other part. We don't earn salvation or any portion of it, but we allow ourselves to be submissive to him who grants it, gives it by his grace. As you look at the cross, see two things. Number one, all the agony of Jesus and how horrible it was for anybody, especially somebody like Jesus, to be treated that way. It's heartbreaking to see how some people are treated today. But Jesus, at about the age of 33, was spat upon, beaten, and finally nailed to a cross and finally got to die. Shedding his blood, and here are the two things you need to see. God is saying by that horrible scene, this is how much I hate sin. Sin is not fun. It's only temporary fun, the pleasures of sin for a season, Hebrews 11. But God hates sin that much. Keep looking. God loves sinners that much. And that's our message. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Give greatest emphasis to Jesus' shed blood on the cross and his resurrection for our justification. And decide to live for him. Decide to live for him every day. You say, well, I'm struggling and I'm weak. So am I. I come to the Lord who is not struggling, but he helps me in my struggles. He's not weak, but he helps me in my weakness. He's the key 
to this life and the next. Let him love you. I told the boy in the jail, I said, let some of us love you. And he cried. And I cried. And I prayed. And in this particular incident, I'm happy to tell you that when he got out of jail and I tried to follow up with him, it wasn't too long until he came to church. And I was really glad to see him. And then I got to talk to him during the week. And he said, I've decided you're right. I said, well, you and I both need to decide Jesus is right. And the next Sunday, he didn't walk down the aisle. He ran. He came as fast as he could get to the front to say, Jesus Christ is my Lord. I believe he's the Son of God. I give my all to him. He was baptized in obedience to New Testament teaching. The water didn't wash his sins away. The blood of Christ cleanses us from sin. And he became a, a devout member of the body of Christ. Moved away to get a job somewhere else. But is still faithful. And I love that. Now I didn't tell about the hundreds of people who didn't follow through. And I'm sorry they didn't. But my point is, if one person decides to follow Jesus and one person can look at the cross and say, that's how much God hates sin and that's how much God loves sinners and I'm one of them and I'm going to let him love me even though I don't deserve it. I'm going to live for him who died for me. How happy then my life shall be. I'll live for him who died for me, my Savior and my God. That's the way to live and that's the way to die. If you would come to him or come back to him, come now while we stand and sing.